0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of the series Song of Songs, Advice on Love from Solomon. As we walk through the Song of Songs, we will not only learn the sacred value God has for marriage, but also gain a transforming understanding of God's love for us. I need to preface everything I'm about to say with what we're talking about. So this month... Uh, we are walking through kind of the big picture of Song of Solomon, and we took a poll last week, and this was this is probably still the case. How many of you have ever from the from your church that you grew up in? Maybe you've never attended church. Have for those who grew up in church, you've you had the pastor walk through the entire Song of Solomon. No, you know why. Well, we found out last week that um, uh, a big reason why is the early church, uh, the, the book was kind of frowned upon, not frowned upon, but it was shied away from because of its content. What's its content, should you ask? Marriage, love, and more specifically, intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. Intimacy. How many of you have ever said that in church? Yeah, you know why? Can I just be frank with you? Um, in total transparency, sex and intimacy has been shied away from in the church. Uh, it painted as uh, not It's treated as no one would say it's disgusting, but it was treated as oh yeah, no, don't do that. Ooh, God doesn't do sex, you know. God, in fact. Created sex and intimacy. You know you serve a God that is intimate. Oh, you don't believe me? He knows the you that no one else knows. That's intimacy. He sees what no one else sees. And so we're walking through the Song of Solomon. We went through the first chapter Last week, and we found that this is called, uh, many of us grew up hearing Song of Solomon. Uh, Some call it the Song of Songs, or the greatest song of all time. This book is the greatest song of all time, according to Solomon, his very best work. And and so, no, I'm not talking about Whitney Houston's, I want to dance with somebody. I love that song. But that's not the song we're talking about. We're talking about the Song of Songs, the greatest song that he ever wrote. And this isn't like a storyline as much. It gives us glimpses, little, little um, scenes from courtship, which we see in chapters one through three, the first part of three. So, chapter one, one through, or one, two ver- through uh, chapter three, verse five, we see this courtship. You don't hear courtship anymore. Does anybody know what that is? Some of you older folks might. Um, The senior folks, wiser folks. Easy, easy, I know. Y'all need to check your pride at the door, I'm gonna be honest, okay? (laughs) Y'all are so sensitive. Um, (laughs) Courtship is the process of wooing and what? What? Building intimacy. That's what that is. Courtship. Now, courtship is gone. Courtship is gone. And we'll we'll cover this more in a second uh, when we talk about hurdles to intimacy. But don't feel uncomfortable. Let's get the shakes and giggles out, okay? Um, See? Look look at you guys. Like a bunch of middle school students. (laughs) Let's say it together. You ready? Sex. Look, y'all won't even say it in church. Some of y'all watching online are like, oh, he's a heretic. I'm, Well, no, let me tell you, the, the byproduct of the church ignoring and not talking about sex is one of the most deviant cultures we have ever seen. Because we've allowed culture to dictate what sex and intimacy is, instead of letting God dictate what it is. I see marriages that struggle because they don't talk about sex and intimacy. I see churches struggle because that sexual sin is hidden and suppressed. No, don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. Take care of it. Sure. Yeah, get rid of it. But don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want to know your struggles with th- sex and lust. I don't want to know your struggles with gender and and and, and um and sexual attraction. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Don't talk about it in church. And so we grow up an entire generation who doesn't understand sex and intimacy. And honestly, I think it's because our parents didn't. Our grandparents didn't. You know why? Because we don't talk about it. It's considered... I don't, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but you know. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Write that down taboo thank you break out my New Kent dictionary (laughs) so glimpses Um, we learned some pickup lines last week we did did any of y'all try that over the last couple weeks didn't didn't work okay we've got a testimony praise God Okay, you didn't do it right, I, I don't know, it's in the Word. Um, are y'all okay? Are y'all gonna be okay? I hope so, because today's whole topic is sex and intimacy. Last week we talked about marriage, and we said that marriage is a shadow, a shadow of what, Pastor? Pastor? Song of Solomon has for generations. While they've while most theologians, commentators, pastors, they, they've steered away from re- reaching into the depths of Song of Solomon to talk about love and intimacy and in marriage. There has been a general understanding that when when we go through the old the 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 Old Testament and New Testament, it's easier in the New Testament to find Jesus, right? It's easy to find Jesus because that's where he comes on the scene um, in a physical sense. But where do we find Christ in the Old Testament? And in the Song of Solomon, we find Christ in that it, this book foreshadows the bridegroom, the church, you and I. The bridegroom relationship to Christ with his church so what we get in marriage is a picture, just a shadow, not even in full effect, of how much God loves us, cares for us, desires to be in relationship with us. And so uh, we talked about the courtship. The wedding happens in uh, chapters 3 through 5, and then uh, the rest of the book, 5 through 8, is the mature? You get little glimpses, little little scenes of of a maturing marriage. Because of this book's sensitive, erotic, whatever you want to call it, nature descriptions, this book is, historically was prohibited. From readers, did you know this? Little fact. It was prohibited unless you, you could not read this unless you were married or over 30 in the early church. Did you know that? Uh, and that environment and what we have talked about already this morning, kind of keeping it under lock and key and hidden and like, oh no. God didn't intend for sex to be that way. No. And his design for it to be locked up and hidden and kept a secret. He included sex in the Bible because sex belongs to him, to his creation. He should, uh, we should talk about sex as God's design uh, as God has designed it to be within our churches and families, so we can walk in purity and moral excellence. Why do you think we have such moral issues? We won't talk about it. We refuse to put to death. We won't talk about right sexuality. And so it's left us in a place where we have, an, we have generations of people questioning their sexuality, questioning if it's good, bad. What what do I do with these feelings that I have? Well, they're God-given. They're God-given, and they're to be stewarded well, just like all the other things that God has given us. So let's read together. Um, We're gonna read uh, 2 through 17, just very quickly. Song of Solomon 2, um, 2 through 17, and then if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, we preach God's word here. One of the beautiful things about preaching through a book of the Bible is I don't get to in- avoid the uncomfortable topics. I don't get to avoid it. It'd be very easy just to skip this whole book, my whole um, you know season behind the pulpit, but God has... Laid on my heart that we should lean in. And we'll start here in verse two. Oh, Let's start in verse one. Okay, so the young woman, we found last week that there are three groups of people. Uh, the young woman, the young man, okay? And then there's a group of ladies from Jerusalem, okay? And this crowd, the onlookers. Verse one, I am the spring crocus, blooming On the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley, the young man says, Like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. Yes, amen. The young woman comes back with this. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover, among young men, other young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hill. It's obvious how much he loves me. Let me stop for a second. Is it obvious how much you love your spouse? Is it obvious if not and young, young ladies, young men watching that aren't married. All right, this is a book about courting and then marriage. If you can't tell that you are number one, there's a problem. There's a problem. Let's continue. Strengthen me, verse 5, with raisin cakes. That sounds disgusting. I'll be honest with you. I hate raisins. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. It gets sensual here. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, highlight this next part, if you highlight in your Bible, not to awaken love until the time is right. Ah, I hear my lover coming. This is still the woman talking. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Something my wife has never said about me. <laughs> Get with it, baby. Look at this. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. A little creepy, but we'll continue. Verse 10, my lover said to me, rise up, my darling, come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air the fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. My dove is hiding behind the rocks. The young man finally comes back. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Continuing on. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. And so here's this onlooking group of women. They say in verse 15, "Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love for the great vines are blossoming." And then the young woman seals the chapter with, "My lover is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies before the dawn freezes below and the night shadows flee." Return to me, my love, like a gazelle and a young stag on the rugged mountains. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. That's what this chapter is all about. There's this developing of intimacy between this young man and this young woman. And this is hard to imagine. And I'll tell you why. We live in one of the most, it's in a society that is decreasingly more and more, probably the the least intimate society that I've ever seen in my lifetime, much less history. What do you mean? Well, just look at big picture. Just look big picture. How many of you just love when people come over the house? There's probably a handful, okay? But the most of you think, do you know I have to clean my house? Have you seen my house? Some of you leave your house intentionally in a wreck just so you don't invite people over because you don't want people to come over. People don't sit on the front porch anymore. They sit on the back porch. Because, and and COVID hasn't helped. I'm going to be honest. It hasn't helped. People have retreated and you hide and you don't want anybody to see you, much less the you that no one else has seen. We live in a disinterested, unintimate society. So there's no wonder why marriages are struggling. But there are several types of intimacy that we see here. I'm going to go over five types of intimacy very quickly. Because when I say intimate, the first thing you think is sex. At least most of the men do anyway. Or, and, and look, let me say before I preach any of this, this is not hard and fast for everybody. Culture has said that men uh, want sex more than women. That's not always the case. And, and vice versa, that men are just brutes and they have no intimacy or emotional desire. And that's just not true either for, for all. Um, but uh, number one, five types of intimacy. Number one is spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy. Um, spiritual intimacy comes from being in the word together, praying for one another, and worshiping together. Now, we don't see this one directly in this scripture, but we see it all through the Bible, and I needed to cover it before I cover anything else. You know why? If spiritual intimacy is high between you and the person you're in a relationship with or you and your spouse, all the other types of intimacy will typically respond to it. Um... Uh, uh, the word of God uh, is nourishment for our souls. Matthew 4, 4, Deuteronomy 8, 3. When we are on the same spiritual diet, we can expect to grow in similar ways. Um, It's hard to bring intimacy to a marriage um, when you're not a whole person yourself. And... Today, I think many of us struggle in in our relationships. Um, And intimacy doesn't necessarily, today we're talking about marriage and between man and a woman, because that's what we're talking about. But intimacy can be between friends as well. Um, I've got guys that know me probably better than any of you. Um, Guys that know me intimately. They know my past. They know my heart. They know my snags. Um. But one thing that me and my wife are continually continually trying to grow in is growing in spiritual intimacy. That as we draw closer to intimacy with God, he draws us together. I'm sure some of you have seen the old school picture uh, from back in the day. You have a triangle, okay, and you have uh, the husband, you have the wife or the, the guy and the girl, and you have God up top. And as you go to grow towards God, right, the, the triangle gets closer together. You, you by uh, almost default, as you grow closer to God, grow closer to one another. For the, this is also why the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. Uh, I have seen more strain and strife in marriages where you have one who is serious about God and one who is not. It's not all the time in your face and most marriages will continue on and be okay. But when one person is pursuing the Lord with great fervor and the other is not, there will be a tension there. And that will affect all these other ones, okay? Um, It's important as you're dating, for those dating, courting, whatever, single, we cannot date forever for what they can be, okay? Uh, remember last week we said, can I respect that person right now as they are? We can't marry somebody and say, oh, they'll be different, or oh, they don't, they, we, you don't see the side of them I see. No, we can't do that. Some of you know that. <laughs> You're married to that person. You're like, man, he ain't changed. He ain't changed one bit. I thought he would change, he didn't change. Well, you got married for the wrong reasons anyhow. People um, will struggle with the things they struggle with. Now we grow, okay? So I'm not taking away from people maturing. I'm a better husband today than I was um, eight years ago, but it's because I'm closer to the Lord, not because I'm a better guy. Oh, yes! If you're struggling to be a better wife, struggling to be a better husband, try just be, being better cr- a Christian. Just try being closer to the Lord. You'd be shocked. Spiritual intimacy is important. Number two, recreational intimacy. Recreational intimacy is the bond that is created and strengthened by doing activities together. We see it right here in verse 13 and verse 10. Look what it says verse 13, it says, come away with me, my fair one. It says it earlier as well. Come away with me. There's this togetherness, this recreation. Come with me. I want to be together. Let's go do something. And the goal here isn't sex. Let's, it's not let's go hang out so we can have sex. It's let's go hang out so we can be together and operate together and, and develop in recreational intimacy. And listen, this is one of the things, and this and the next one, um, as the longer you're with someone, and I'll bridge this in just a second, as presence becomes more the norm than the exception, our motivation to engage in uninteresting activities may dwindle. You know what that means? And we see it in Ecclesiastes 9.9 as well. But the longer you're together... The less you want to do stuff together, you just, you, it's just normal to be together. One couple I will say that I've witnessed this not be the case is Sandra and Woody Jones. They go and do stuff all the time. They are all the time cracking up, having a good time. Now they now now I don't. Woody annoys the fire out of her, um, and I've seen it. So look, I'm not painting a picture in heaven here, but let me tell you, they love just being around each other. And the longer you're together husbands, all of a sudden you don't want to go do you don't go do the things. Do, there's no pursuit. This is something we we're all, me included, we all need to wrestle with. Recreational intimacy. Doing things together. It's intellectual intimacy, number three. Intellectual intimacy is the activity of connecting to one another by discussing certain issues. As time goes by, you know what happens? You just assume you already know what she's thinking. Right? Uh, You already know what he's going to do. Yeah. Instead of continually, all through your marriage... because. This is one of the first things we talk about in marriage counseling is you are a different person now than you were when you got married. Isn't that true? As you date, as you're together, listen, you grow as humans, especially if you're growing towards the Lord. And all of a sudden you hear different things, you feel different things. And you can grow towards God, and you can grow away, you can grow cold. All those things are true, but you are different today than you were yesterday and definitely years ago. You're not the same person, are you? And so what happens is in relationships, that expectation is set in stone at the beginning. And then all of a sudden you feel all this tension and wrestling in your relationships when the fact is you're different people, but you've never talked about it. Your intellectual intimacy is gone. You see it all through this scripture. You know what they're doing? They're talking to each other. They're communicating back and forth. You see this conversation. Some of you are suffering today from, you you think just being around each other is enough. It's not. The Bible talks very much about life and death being in the tongue. Okay. There, you can speak life into things. You can speak death into things. But hear me today. uh, You need to be talking with the people. Uh, One thing I was going to point out. in both of these, recreational and intellectual, if you are not just trying to bridge the shadow that Song of Solomon is bridging with Christ, if you're not spending time in the Lord's presence and you are not talking with the Lord, don't be shocked when you don't feel him, when the intimacy is left. And I'm preaching this to some people who are already cold, um, you may remember like a faint in the history of your life, a time when you were just charged up, right? Charged up for God and what God was doing in your life and in your church. And now all of a sudden you don't care. You know why? You've stopped spending time with him and you don't talk to him anymore. The same is true in our relationship with the Lord. So just as we're talking about marriage and relationships right here, it is reflective right here, okay? Number, three, uh, number four is physical intimacy. This is what most people think about. Um, and, and when I say physical intimacy, most will go right to sex. But um, most of the time, la- ladies are better at this. Uh, guys, hear me. Uh, sometimes intimacy can be a hug or a hand-holding. And it doesn't have to lead to sex either. It can just be a hand-holding or a hug. Physical intimacy does not have to be de- de- defined by sex. Physical intimacy can be non-sexual, just sitting next to each other on the couch. And listen, um Should be no surprise to the Christian as God instructs man to delight in the activities with his wife. You see it in Proverbs 5, uh, 18 through 19. You also see it here in verse 6. It says, his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. And we'll cover here in just a second. Right after things start to get physical, sensual. Notice what, we'll come back to this. Notice what it says here in verse seven. Uh, Promise me. This young woman reaches out to the community around and says this. Promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. They're still courting. They're still dating. They're not married yet. Let me keep moving to number five. Emotional intimacy. Regardless of, of any limitations. Most, most men will say, Oh, I don't connect emotionally. I'm not an emotional guy. I would be that guy. Okay? I'm not an emotional guy. Um, uh, don't cry. The only time I cry, and y'all have seen me cry, so I, I can't say but so much, but I cry when I think about the Lord and how much He has blessed me, how, how good He has been. Outside of that, I've cried all the tears I plan on crying. Um, I've had people be mean to me call me names, turn their back, stab me. I've had family turn around and leave. I've had people step away from me because I got too close to the Lord. <laughs> I've screwed up my life enough that I've cried over my own mistakes. So I'm done crying. And so oftentimes, and this is not, I'm not saying that really in a boastful sense, but in a Man, I have to work on this because life has, and and some of you will attest to this, life has beaten the emotion right out of me. Yeah. Life is hard. And so I have to be very careful because um, emotional intimacy is one of those things I, I can do without, but it's not necessarily something my wife can do without. Regardless of any limitations, okay? Men are called to shepherd their wife's heart just as much as women are called to shepherd um, their husband's sexuality. Just as men uh, feel most connected with physical intimacy, generally speaking. Women generally feel most connected when emotional intimacy is at its highest. There's a reason, if you go back all the way to the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve. You remember this picture? Adam and Eve in the garden, they ain't wearing nothing. He puts Adam to sleep when he makes Eve, pulls the rib out, right? She's the first McRib. That's her. <laughs> that one went over well. I'm going to tell that one again. Yeah. I love when the McRib comes back, you know? That's so good. <laughs> Wake up. Oh. And he awakens from that spiritual anesthesia that the Lord put him under and he sees Eve standing there in all her glory. And his first his first instinct is not to jump her bones. And you just heard that from behind the pulpit, that Transformation Church RVA. <laughs> the first thing he did was say a poem: "Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh." I'm going to call this, this this creature woman," because she came from me. OK? Literally in the Hebrew, woman means mine. <laughs> He's sorry, he said, Yep, yeah, that's the one. Emotional intimacy is important. Three times, now, very quickly before I end, I need, I need to address this. Um, three times in the uh, Song of Solomon, You see this phrase. The song warns us to not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. The statement is a warning to readers to beware the intensity of sexual intimacy and the power of those forces for either good or or destruction. All this intimacy we're talking about, not just sex, but all of it, can build up, encourage your relationships, and be good, but I have also seen it be destructive. I've gotten the phone call at 5 a.m. when someone's wife didn't come home. I've gotten those phone calls when these God created desires are not stewarded well and end up in destruction and sinfulness. He warns here that Let, um, promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. We can see here in verse 15, too, uh, the young women, this group watching all this go down, says, catch all the foxes, those little, everybody say little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. What we're viewing here in chapters one and two is this brewing courtship. And <laughs> anybody grow up on a farm? Around a farm? Okay, uh, nobody. Awesome. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. There were a couple of you. Um, I worked on a farm. That was my first job. It's my first job. I was 15 years old. Um, and across the street from my house uh, was the Benz family, the Benz family farm. And I would go and I would uh, bale hay, is usually when I went to where. Anybody ever bale hay? Okay. Look at Miss Annette. Watch for her now. She's got strong hands. You know, and I'd get all blistered up. I thought I was a big man. You know, I'd bail hay with my shirt off. Of course, if I did that now, they'd probably call the police. Um, I'd get all scarred up. I didn't care. But he also had cornfields, okay? And when corn starts to grow... It's like two leaves. It's like it's just a couple leaves, and it's about that that tall. Is that when you harvest? No. You let it mature. You let it blossom. You let it grow. That's what we're seeing here in verses in chapters one and two. There's a blossoming. There's a growing, and we see here in fifteen that there are little foxes. That will come and ruin this blossoming, this blooming relationship. You see lots of um, pictures here of animals and mountains. And, but when it talks about vineyards and grapevines, it's talking about something blooming and growing. And there are little foxes that will come and destroy what's trying to develop. Now, most of you, your cornfields have been plowed three times, Okay. Your cornfields have been um, just, you've been in married years, 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 years. But for those who are courting and dating, hear me. And this is true. Um, we had rabbits growing up and there was a guy next door, had a German shepherd. That German shepherd came over and every time the rabbit would have kit, uh, little bunnies. That thing would rip open the bottom of the cage and eat those rabbits. Little bunnies. Yeah you imagine being six years old and going out and finding that? No. There are things, there are hurdles to intimacy. And I'm going to go through them very quick if you guys want to go ahead and come. Everybody say false intimacy. Marriages are not destroyed overnight. In the Period. I was going to say in most cases. Um, But even in those situations where it seems like it was destroyed overnight, most marriages fail um, daily. And it's untracked. So your marriage is terrible, but it's because you haven't kept up with it. Is that okay to say? Um, No different than your relationship with the Lord is terrible and inconsistent. It's because you haven't kept up with it. It's because, it's not because God has changed, you've changed. God doesn't change. Um, False intimacy. Uh, Number one, we see in verse seven here that uh, you can jump the gun, okay? When you're preparing for marriage, uh, we live in a society, um, statistically, let's just talk statistics, You know it is more comfortable for this generation to have sex than it is to have a conversation. Did you know that? Yeah, it's true. It is more comfortable. It is easier to have sex than to have a conversation. You know why? Because this generation doesn't understand intimacy. They don't. Think about that. A conversation is more intimate than sex? That is the culture. That is what we're warring against. Because we have men and women out here who think, okay, I'm just going to have sex with as many people as I can. And then all of a sudden when you get married and you try and define your intimate life that way, it doesn't work. Because you've shared your intimacy with you know God and every you know everybody else around town. God help us that we have devalued sex to the point that it is less intimate than a conversation, and it's because people don't want to be known. you're scared to talk about what's down in here. So you can jump the gun. It's not sacred anymore. Hebrews 13 says, in marriage, the bed is undefiled. And I can tell you over and over and over again, marriage after marriage after marriage that I've been with and counseled. You know, you know in premarital counseling, they never talk about sex. I do in premarital counseling, but most don't. You know why? People think sex is the easy part. Every marriage counseling session, almost without exception, there's problems in the bedroom. Without exception. So just to shake any foundation that you think, oh, well, nobody has issues with that. A lot of people have issues with that. And it's because intimacy is all jacked up. It's because of how you were raised to think it was whatever, and, and now you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what intimacy is. So jumping the gun, number one. Number two, and I'm I'm going quickly, but I, I feel like I need to lean in here. Number two, pornography. Hurdles to actually being intimate in your relationships, okay? Hurdles. Jumping the gun, which we just talked about. Pornography is another hurdle, and nobody talks about it. Church doesn't talk about it when the majority in this room have looked at it. But you don't wanna talk about that. Viewing pornography is sexual immorality per Jesus's standards, not just the Old Testament. A lot of people would say, oh no, you're taking too hard of a stance. Pastor, it's 2021. 2021. Well, we talked last fall about the fact that pornography isn't just sexual, a sexual immorality issue. It's also an imago Day issue. You know, all these um, people that are being used and abused, that sex is something to be used up, that we start to view each other as something to consume. And these people, that some of them do it for a legitimate reason. Some don't. Whatever the case may be, they bear the image of God. And here you are trying to consume. Jesus' standard is that pornography is sexual immorality. (laughs) And what is most bothersome is the way people, including Christians, have normalized and accepted pornography use to the point, hear this, only a third of teens and young, young adults believe viewing porn is wrong. A third believe it's wrong. Compared to 50% think recycling is a must. It's wrong not to recycle. 50% believe that, but only 33% believe that pornography is wrong. And damaging. And that comes from Barna Research. Research. And I could go into pornography addiction and and what that looks like, but I'm telling you, it destroys marriages, it destroys relationships, and it ruins your view of intimacy. It is sinful and despicable, and it is something that Christians take part in. I can't tell you how many pastors I've met that have a pornography addiction. Holy cow. And honestly, you think you can hide it until it destroys your marriage or destroys your relationships. Hear, hear me today. I love you, but you got to quit. I don't know who's looking at this. you got to stop. you got to stop the hemorrhaging before it destroys you. Because all of a sudden, you will be numb to the things that God created to be beautiful and wonderful. That's what we're talking about here in Song of Solomon. It will numb you to it. There's grace and mercy here. I'm not just preaching like, I'm not trying to preach hellfire and brimstone on you, but I'm telling you, your pastor's concerned. I love you and I I need you to be uh, conscientious of what's going on in your heart and not just ignore it and think, oh, it's just porn. No, it's damaging your soul. That's what it's doing. Entertaining, uh, so jumping the gun, pornography, entertaining fantasy in your mind. In other words, no sacredness, no respect for your spouse. I see it all the time. And it's, it's usually younger marriage, even up into middle marriage, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, where the husband thinks it's okay to make uh, uh, a, not aggressive comments, but comment on, uh, on, on the uh, beauty of some other woman in a way that's not just recognizing, but it is disrespectful to your spouse. I see it all the time. And you, want, you, you think it's no big deal. Maybe you're just around the guys, okay? L- guys, let me talk to you for a second. Maybe you're just around the guys at the shop or whatever the case may be. And, and, and you are in a committed relationship. And look, if you're not in a committed relationship and you're just bouncing around, you're not living God's word anyway, so I'm not really talking to you. But if you're in a committed relationship, but you're around the other guys and you mention how fine this other girl is, it is disrespectful and removes the intimacy and sacredness from your own marriage. Women, it's the same thing. I know who Tom Brady is. Oh, see, some of y'all were like, yeah, I get it. Channing Tatum, whatever the case may be. If you entertain those thoughts, it removes the intimacy in your marriage. Extra relational intimacy. This isn't even sex. This is having an emotional affair. You all of a sudden are more intimate with someone else's wife, someone else's girl, someone else's husband, somebody else. All of a sudden you're more emotionally engaged and they've seen parts of you that they were never meant to see. Hear me today. I'm 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 preaching this because you need to hear it, and I don't know who's watching online, but you need to hear it too. It's a hurdle. Wrong education. Maybe you grew up hearing that sex was disgusting and shouldn't be talked about, and then you got into marriage and found out it was a little more complicated, or at least it was something you needed more information on. And lastly, I I just want to point out those who have been hurt. A lot of folks struggle with intimacy because of previous wounds. Previous wounds. Um, And they struggle in marriage today because they had a bad experience. And I'm here to tell you that intimacy isn't ugly. Intimacy isn't something to be feared or not talked about. In fact... This book gets even more intimate as we go through it. And we've talked about some cases right here in this text. But as we continue to move through, understand that God created intimacy, God created sex, God created all of these things. Why? To, in the end, point us back towards Him goal of all things is to direct us into glorifying and lifting up Jesus and this is just a shadow of the intimacy that God wants with you. God wants not just the parts you'll show at church on Sundays or to your friends. He knows you to the very core this morning and He loves you despite it. Hear me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Today, there's hope for your marriages. There is hope for your homes. There is hope for your relationships. And God help us, there is hope for your soul. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm going to pray very quickly for you, and Ray's going to sing, and then Woody's going to come up and close us out with a couple announcements. But today, if you are struggling with intimacy, And if you're watching online, hear me, reach out for help. This is something we should talk about. Now, I'm not asking you to go share all your dirty laundry with everybody, uh, because that is a mistake. But reach out to people who love you and want to push you towards Jesus, and they will wrap their arms around you. And they'll hear the good, bad, and the ugly. You can reach out to your pastor. ultimately, I I will say this, God fulfills every need. He does. He truly does. Father, we're so thankful for your presence in this place today. I pray pray right now in the name of Jesus that every stronghold of sexual immorality, every person addicted to pornography, every person... (coughs) Uh, dancing and, and being tempted by other things, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, convict them. Convict us, God, and have us repent and turn to you because we know there's forgiveness in you. There's grace in you. There is new hope and mercy every morning in you, Father. Let it start today. Let us make a decision in this moment, in this service, that we're going to leave here different. We're not going to entertain those thoughts. We're going to let those wounds heal. And we are going to pursue godly, beautiful intimacy in our relationships. We're going to start somewhere, God. We're going to take a step towards understanding what you have designed for intimacy. And anything that falls short of it, anything that is shallow of it, God, let us push to the side and reject and let us focus on you because we know there is hope today because of you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.